Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. This man receiveth sinners, and eateth with them, and he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lost, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he had found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing, and when he cometh home, He calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she had found it, she called her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I have lost. Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his word. Let us unite together in prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this day and the beauty of it and the privileges that we have had to fellowship with your people. We ask now that you would bless us tonight as we look into your word. Help us to have an understanding of the parable that our Lord gave us, that we might be better children of yours, better sheep of your pasture, for we pray in Christ's name. And amen. Throughout the Old Testament, and even into the days of Christ, we find evidence time and time again that the Hebrew people believed that God only cared for those that were good. That's not entirely a statement that is not believed today. There are some people who even yet believe that God is only interested in the good. But we find throughout the scripture that the Lord himself repudiated this statement and really in fact tells us that the Lord came for a purpose that was not for the good but for the bad. He came to call sinners to repentance. That was his purpose in coming. But in his ministry, Jesus was criticized severely on a number of occasions for associating and fellowshipping with sinners. That would seem strange, perhaps, to us, but with their social background and their belief that that only good people were of interest to God, you might understand why they might think that. They were uh, taken back when Jesus looked up in the tree and saw Zacchaeus and said, You, come down. I'm going to your house today. And they fussed at the woman who was a sinner who weeped tears that fell down on Jesus' feet, and she wiped them with her hair. He had a reputation of being associated with sinners, 
and the good people of the community did not approve of this association. But Jesus said in Matthew 9, 12, He said, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. They that are whole do not need a physician, but they that are sick. And so the mission of the church, of course, is to the sinner. The purpose of Christ was to win the lost, to heal the broken-hearted and broken-bodied of the peoples that were in that time and even of today's society. And in the parable, or in the, the scripture that we read just preceding the parable, we find the same statement that he associated with, with the publicans and with sinners, and the Pharisees and the scribes murmured amongst themselves, saying that this man receives sinners and eats with them. And Jesus heard this murmuring, and he gave them the parable. He said, there is a man that has a hundred sheep. And when he counts them, there are only ninety-nine present. Does he feel satisfied with the ninety-nine coming into the fold and paying no attention to the one. When I was a kid and was sent out to tend the sheep, my father or my grandfather would say to me, are all the sheep in the barn? And I might say something like this, yes, they're all in except one, and I couldn't find it. Never did they say, well, that's fine. We'll not worry about the one. But they would say to me, get your boots on, Get the flashlight or the lantern, it used to be the lantern, we're going to find the one. And we would look the hillsides over, regardless of the weather, whether it was stormy or rainy or snowy, regardless of how dark it was or how late in the night it was, regardless of what had to be done the next day until the one that was lost was located. And the Lord gives us the parable that when, when the shepherd would find the lost, he would put it on his shoulder. I've done that more than one time or carried it in my arms back to the house, back to the barn. There were 99 safe in the fold. Isn't it wonderful to be one of the 99? Don't you feel good about being a Christian? Aren't you glad you are? Maybe we don't stop and ask ourselves that question and be glad about the day that we have. And praise the Lord and feel good in it. We're a part of that 99 that are in the fold. We have come home. We're secure. There's something about the word home that is extremely comforting. I don't suppose we've taken very many trips and have been gone very long, but what Cricket will say when we're almost back home, be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. And you've said that statement many times, haven't you? And this is true. It makes no difference how poor the home, there is no place like it. 
there is some comfort that can be taken from going home that cannot be received from doing anything else. Although I have had a home of my own for many years, I still think of going home as going to where my parents are. And I suspect that you do as well. That is home for many reasons. Not that it's less important than the home that, that I've established and where my children now come, but a home that is extremely important. By the way, our daughter who had breast cancer had surgery last Monday, and they found no cancer whatever in this surgery. There were lots of prayers said, and the Lord heard them. That's off the subject, but I had to say that. That child is there that has not felt the comfort of the parents' arms about them. Can you remember your little boy or little girl coming to you, and particularly to you mothers, and saying, Mommy, I fell and hurt my elbow. Would you make it better? And Mommy kisses it and it's all better. There was a security there in knowing that the child could come to the parent and there was some tremendous power in the love of the parent that brought healing to the child. And is that not what we do as the children of God to be able to come to the Lord and say, I hurt, you know, and, and he makes it better. We feel safe in the arms of the Lord. When I was preparing this sermon a few days ago, I could not help but go back to the 23rd Psalm and reflect upon what David had to say in that Psalm in relationship to what the Lord had to say in this parable. Let's go back to that 23rd Psalm. David, you remember, was a shepherd. He was a sheep counter who looked after his sheep to be sure that they were all safe and secure. And as David sat there on the hillsides looking after his flock, in his loneliness, he looked up and thought of his relationship to the Lord, and he said, Well, like I am the shepherd of my sheep, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. The sheep place themselves in the hands of the shepherd like no other animal that I know of. And if they know you, and have trust in you, they'll follow wherever you want them to go. With the exception of a renegade once in a while, they'll do that. The sheep depend so fully upon the shepherd for their every need. When the sheep would go into the sheepfold in the evening time, back in the Old Testament days and even the days of the Lord, and even yet today in, in Israel, I'm told, they know fully that the Lord has, or the shepherd, the master, has taken care of all their needs and that they need not worry. I'm going back to Matthew chapter 6 
I cannot help but read these words from chapter 6 of Matthew, verse 25. Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, nor what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is the life, is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, neither gather into bars, and yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are they not much, are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And therefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall not he much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall ye eat, nor what shall ye we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I think those words are beautiful from the Lord himself. We are in the fold of the shepherd. Why should there be concerns and worries in our hearts and minds? Well, why there is, because we're physical and we've not yet reached that perfect state. But the Lord is telling us that he is our shepherd and we need not want. He says that he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. One of the things that the shepherd would do in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, was find a place for his flock of sheep where there was shade and nice green grass to lie upon. And there they would bask in the, the comfort of that shade, refreshing time when they could spend some time in rest. And the Lord told us, to all of us that labor and are heavy laden, to come unto him and he would give us rest. Are you weary? Are you worn out? Is your heart heavy? I can tell you on the authority of God's word that you can come to the green pastures and lie in the shade in the comforting care of Jesus Christ, the greatest shepherd of all, and refresh yourself. That's why we come tonight, I trust, is to have some refreshing. Thirdly, he said that he leadeth me beside the still waters. I don't know if you know this about sheep or not, but they don't like to drink from running water. They want a quiet pool. They'll drink out of running water if they have to, but they'll go to a calm pool if there's one available. He leadeth me beside still waters. Isaiah said, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come, buy, and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. David said in three different psalms, My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. 
In John, Jesus said, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. People don't sometimes realize it, but every person thirsts, thirsts for God. Every person. They don't know where to go to find quenching. There are days that you and I thirst for something to quench, to quiet our soul, to ease our agonies and our pains and our distresses and all those things. If we simply would come to the Lord, He will fill our thirst and quench it. The woman who came to the well at Sychar met Jesus and he said to her, give me to drink. And she said, are you a Jew and a rabbi asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jesus said, if you knew who it was that was talking to you, you would ask him and he would give you living water. And she said, give it to me. I can tell you tonight on the authority of God's word that if you are not satisfied with your spiritual life, you can ask Jesus Christ and he will give you that which will satisfy the very depths of your soul. It's living water coming from the depth of the soul of Christ. David said he restores my soul. Once during the day, the sheep in the days of Christ would separate themselves from the flock and come over to the shepherd and they would spend some quiet time together and their soul would be restored. He said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. I've never been to Israel, but they tell me that there is a valley four and a half miles long that runs from Jerusalem towards the Dead Sea. That is very narrow, from 12, 10 to 12 feet wide, that has cliffs 1,500 feet high, that has a crevice many times eight feet deep running down the midst of it, and the shepherds would take their sheep down this valley along the narrow path in the daytime. In the morning they would go down the valley, and the evening they would come up the valley because they couldn't, couldn't do it otherwise. Or the, the flocks of sheep would all have to go the same direction because of the narrowness of it. And the wolves and whatever wildlife there would be would lurch in the shadows of that huge valley and, and the robbers would be there. The shepherd would lead his sheep up that valley and when they would come to those places where they would have to cross the crevice to the other side, there he would encourage and support the sheep as they made the jump across the crevice. They felt comfortable in going that route because the shepherd led the way. They did not have fears because they had someone in whom they could trust. And even though there were there was oftentimes death lurking in the shadows of the valley, it was the rod and the staff of the shepherd that comforted them. 
I know you, like I, many times have fears. We're afraid. We're afraid physically, sometimes even for our lives. Some of you have had those experiences, maybe. We're afraid uh, for our health or for the health of others. And we don't know what's out there. Sometimes when we get up in the morning, we're almost afraid to get out of bed because we don't know what's going to be around the corner. And if we could avoid it, we wouldn't go. All of you have sung the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. It was written by H.G. Spafford, who came from England to the United States. Back in the early history of our country, left his wife and his two daughters in England. And when he was able to do so, he sent for them. And they came over on a ship, but the ship was lost at sea. Went down and his wife and his two daughters were drowned. Sometime later, he made the return trip from the United States back to England. And he asked the captain of the ship to tell him when he got to that spot in the ocean where the ship went down with his daughter, his wife, and his two daughters. And he wrote a hymn. It's number 339 in, in your hymn book. Let me read it to you. This is a man who has fears. This is a man who has lost three of the most precious people to his soul. Sorry, I have the wrong number. That is so saved. I got the wrong book. That's what's the matter. 339. Yes, it is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. And though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but in whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. And Lord, hast this day, when the faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. That's sung mostly at funerals. We wasted a lot by singing it only then, although it's wonderful to sing then. Because regardless of how many times we go up the valley that have the shadows of fear on every side, and we must jump those crevices in the rock, we know that we have a shepherd that's standing there on the side of the crevice ready to pull us out if we might slip and fall. The disciples were in the ship 
out on the sea, and a great storm came up, and they were fearful for their lives. And they looked out, and there was the Lord walking on the water. And he made a very, very simple statement. He simply said, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. They didn't know he was there until the moment that he revealed himself. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. The shepherd would go before his sheep with a little mattock, and he would dig up the poison plants so that when the sheep came along, they could not get a bite of the poison. The shepherd went before them. There's a comfort in that to me. In that regardless of what path I might tread, my shepherd is ahead of me. He's not behind me. He's ahead of me. And what is he doing but preparing a table before me where I might eat even in the presence of my enemies? The shepherd goes before. He leads the way. He anoints my head with oil. When the sheep came to the fold at night, the shepherd was at the door, and he looked at each one of them. He checked them for bruises, for cuts, for burrs, for fever. If he found one that needed a personal attention, he would take his staff and drop it on the back of the sheep. The sheep knew to step aside, and it waited until all of the others had gone in. And then the shepherd spent time with this one wounded, fevered sheep. He took oil and he anointed the wounds. He took a cup of water and he allowed that sheep to drink to its fullest from that cool water. It was wounded and he bound up the wounds. It was hurt, and he anointed the hurts with oil. Let me ask you, if this shepherd would care for his sheep in such a caring manner, does not Jesus care when our hearts are pained? Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my burden is easy. There's a hymn that oft time is sung, that life is worth the living because he lives. I would like to just change one word and say life is worth the living because he cares. Because he cares. 
We've talked about the 99. We forgot about the one. Where is he? He has counted his sheep and there are 99. Lord, are they not enough for thee? But the Lord made answer, this of mine is lost. Well, is not in. The sheep counter has found one that is lost. And regardless of the night and regardless of the weather, he leaves those 99 safe in the fold and he goes looking for the lost sheep. And it may very well be that one has fallen into the crevice in that valley and he searches until he finds that sheep. And he pulls the sheep out of the crevice and puts it on his shoulder to gently carry it back to the security of the fold. He does not give up looking until he has found the lost. Our Savior has not quit looking for the lost. We may have quit looking for we're the hireling sometimes. But the shepherd always searches, continually looks. The lost sheep has become the symbol of a man without God. No, 99 are not enough. He's got to have that one that's lost. I don't know if you're that one that is lost tonight or not. But I want to tell you that there is a searching shepherd who has the welfare of his sheep at heart, who finds them more important than his own welfare. And he said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. He said, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. And when he finds that which is lost, he rejoices. He carries it back to the fold and he calls his friends and his neighbors together and together they rejoice over that which they have found. He attached to the parable of the 99 the parable of the lady who had lost a coin and she swept the house until she found it. And when she found it, she called all of her friends and neighbors and together they rejoiced. The Lord said something that is so extremely important. He said, and I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of angels in, of God. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. It's not that he isn't glad to have the 99. He wants the one. One of the things about my mother that is always exciting is when 
our, when we all come home, which we do on special occasions like Thanksgiving and Christmas, she's glad to see each one of us. But let me tell you, the rejoicing that she goes through when that last kid gets in is unbelievable, and you've gone through some of that. The last one's got to be there, and then it's complete. The Lord is not satisfied until every last soul that is lost in this world has been reached. And we're a part of that ministry. We're a part of those who rejoice. Have you ever been a part of winning a lost soul to Christ? I want you to think about that question. Many of you have. You have been a part of winning a lost person to Jesus Christ. And you can think back and recall how joyful an occasion that was. When a person for whom you prayed, for whom you worked, to whom you talked, you encouraged and you invited, finally one day came through the door of the church to the service. And the invitation was given. And that last soul walked down the aisle. I remember a, a church service that I was in one time that the entire church had prayed for years for that one person. We were in the middle of a revival. I had talked to him on many occasions, tried to get him to come to church. But I knew it wasn't my influence that was ever going to bring him. It was going to be the influence of the prayers of the congregation. And he walked in the doors of the church and you never saw so many smiles in all your life. But let me tell you something. What happened on the day of Pentecost was rivaled that night when that man got out of his seat and walked to the front of the church. He was about 55 years old. Uh, every person in that congregation felt the Holy Spirit come into his life. There was a movement like you had ever seen. Over the one lost soul for whom everyone was concerned. I'm telling you tonight that we need to unite together in our praying, as, as we do many times, but earnestly, in our efforts to reach out into the community to see to it that lost souls hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And by the foolish ministry of preaching, they will hear the truth and perhaps respond. We must, like the under-shepherds of, of the great shepherd, continue to go out and search for the lost sheep of this community. Will you do it? I'll preach my heart out if you'll pray yours out and bring people to Jesus Christ. Together we can see the lost one. By your influence on your daily life and by the influence of the church services that we conduct. I don't know if all of you are saved tonight or not. I suspect that you are. But if there is a lost sheep in this congregation tonight, I can tell you on the authority of God's word, the shepherd is looking for you. And he's going to continue to search until he finds you. unless you totally refuse to let him pick you out of the crevice of life and bring you to the fold.
the 99 of this congregation must rejoice over the one lost when it's found. But we must go searching with the shepherd. Shall we pray? Look deep into your heart. Do you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit within it? And a yearning to reach out to a lost sheep? Would you be willing to pray and work and toil that the lost might be saved? If there is a lost sheep in this congregation tonight, the other 99 are praying for you. We want you to be saved and join the sheepfold where you can be secure in Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite you as the under-shepherd to get out of your seat and come forward tonight. And I'll meet you down front. And you just say, I want to be saved. I want to be a part of that fold. If you've been wayward, not been the type of person that you ought to have been, you'd be willing to step out of your seat as well and come forward. And just as a statement of rededication of your life, a consecration of it to the service of the Lord, would you do that as well? Whatever the Spirit moves you to do, don't be ashamed or afraid, but we'd be willing to step out on faith to accept Christ as your Savior or to rededicate your life to Him. Would you do that as we sing? Our Father, we pray thy blessings upon us tonight and that you would deal with every heart in this congregation. We find ourselves in one of two positions, one as being a part of the fold or one as being that which is lost. Now, Father, help us to be concerned for the lost, be willing to work for their salvation. And if there is one here tonight who does not know you, may thy spirit speak to them in a special way to cause them to turn to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. What is our hymn number? Anybody selected? 191. Number 191. I have decided to follow Jesus. Will you do it? Let us stand together as we sing all three verses. 191. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description. Thank you for listening, and remember to try Trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.